Ah, <laughs> oh, don't you hate when that happens? Wide awake. Would you say that with me? Wide awake. God is good. And all the time. Thanks so much for being here this week. And we're talking about, well, at the beginning of the year, our theme is to live every day wide awake. Wide awake to God. Wide awake to new possibilities. Wide awake to new opportunities. I don't want to sleep my way all the way through 2018. I want to live this year wide awake. I've been praying a prayer every day. God, wake me up before I die. What happened to you, Pastor Ken? You seem more energized. You seem more vitalized. Have you been drinking Red Bull for breakfast? (laughs) Actually... I went to church and I started praying a prayer, a dangerous prayer. God, wake me up before I die. And he did in the best kind of way. I got woke. Can somebody give God praise? Amen. That is what we're believing for. In fact, there's a Bible verse. It's our memory verse for the series. You can see it on the screens. I invite you to read it out loud. Everybody. Let's read the word of the Lord together. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. One more time. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Can we give God praise for his word? Thank you, God, for your word. Now, last week, we talked about tapping in to the power of purpose, and many of you have been writing down your statement of faith for 2018, sending them to me on Facebook, and I'm praying with you. I'm agreeing with you in prayer. This is what I'm believing God is going to do in my life in 2018, the power of purpose. Today, I want to talk to you about taking a risky step of faith, taking a risky step of faith. 
my daughter made me this t-shirt, and the t-shirt reads this way, I jump out of perfectly good airplanes, and I have. I have jumped out of perfectly good airplanes. And let me tell you one thing I learned about that experience. When you take a leap of faith like that, it wakes you up. Hello! You were soaring through the sky, 120 miles an hour. I wind in your face. Your pulse is racing. Your heart is beating 1,000 miles a minute. Uh, the bay, you can see it over here. The mountains over there. This is the closest I'll ever get to being Superman right there. If you were sort of asleep when you stepped out that door, as soon as you step out that door, you are wide awake. Say that with me. Wide awake. And maybe this weekend God is giving you a nudge. God brought you to church. Pastor Ken, I want to live this year wide awake. God brought you to church to give you a nudge to jump out of a perfectly good airplane and take a risky step of faith that will wake you up in the best kind of way. The man in the Bible who we're looking at, Nehemiah, we're looking at his story. It's in the Old Testament. And that's what he does. What does Nehemiah do? This weekend, we're going to watch Nehemiah jump out of a perfectly good airplane and take a risky step of faith into the favor of God. Nehemiah, you'll remember from last week, he hears about the condition of the city of Jerusalem, how the walls are broken down and how the gates have been burned. And back in that day, well, if you didn't have walls and you didn't have gates, then your city was, it was, there was no way to defend it. There was no way to protect it. And the people inside would be helpless and hopeless against any band of marauders that would come riding through. And when Nehemiah hears about what happened, even though he lives 800 miles away from that city and he's never even been to the city, these are his people. And it moves him. It moves him so much that he's willing to jump out of a perfectly good airplane and take a risky step of faith. Now, he had a risky job to begin with. What was Nehemiah's job? We read about what he did in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 11. At that time, I was the king's wine servant. Now, that doesn't sound so bad. But Nehemiah was part sommelier and part secret service. What he did was this. He would taste the wine before the king drank it. He would eat the food before the king ate it because the king had many enemies and there were many enemies that would like to take the king out. And so to make sure the wine was not poisoned or the food was not poisoned, Nehemiah would, 
Well, what he would do is he would take the king's cup and he would pour a little bit of that wine into his left hand and he would taste it. And he would say, ah, that's a very good year. And then the king knew it was safe to drink the wine and eat the food. He was, well, part of the secret service team. He was willing to drink bad wine and eat bad food for the king. This is what he did. And then he has an aha moment. Have you ever been doing what you do and all of a sudden it hits you and you have an aha moment? He's doing what he does day after day, week after week, month after month. And then he has this aha moment. I have access to the king. And if I can secure the favor of the king, I would be able to go and rebuild the walls and repair the gates. And who knows? Have you ever thought of this? That God may have you where he has you. That you're not there by accident. You're not there by chance. You're doing what you do day after day, week after week, month after month, doing your best at your job to work for your boss. And then at some point, God will give you an aha moment and you'll find you're in the right place at the right time with the right people so that you can rise up and build something great for the glory of God. Can we give God praise? Amen. I believe that. And so Nehemiah, he sees he's in the right place at the right time with the right people. But in order to secure the king's favor, he's going to have to take a risky step of faith and jump out of a perfectly good airplane. Jump. Say that with me. Jump. Say it again. Jump. Uh, Nehemiah has a risky job, and we're going to watch him take this risky step of faith. I wonder if he was the youngest kid in his family. I read a fascinating study this last week. How about if we get interactive, those in the building, wherever you're at on campus, those watching online, other sites around the bay. If you were a firstborn, if you're a firstborn child, you're the firstborn child in your family, would you just lift up your hand real high? I'm a firstborn. Let me see how many firstborns we have in the house. All right. How about a big hand for all the firstborn kids? Yeah, all right. How about we have any secondborn children? Let me see all the secondborn children. Wow, that's great. All right, how about a big hand for all the secondborn children? How about the third-born children? Any third-borns? We, wow, we have quite a few. How about a big hand for all the third-born children? That's fantastic. Now, here's what this study uh, discovered. They looked at athletics, and they were trying to figure out, does your birth order impact your willingness to take risks? And this is what they found out. If you're a firstborn, you have a hard time, typically, with taking risks. If you're a middle-born child, you're much more willing to take risks than the first-born child. These are tendencies. And if you're a third-born child, watch out! These are the crazy ones. 
They're willing to take all kinds of risks. And wherever you're at on the birth order, I'm a firstborn, it's hard for me to take a risk. But the key to us taking hold of what God has for us in 2018 Maybe God brought you here this weekend. You came to worship God, which is the main thing that we do. But in that process, God brought you here to give you a nudge in your heart, to give you a nudge in your spirit that we can be who God's called us to be and do what God's called us to do in 2018 to take a leap of faith into the favor of God and jump, jump, say that with me, jump. I want that to get in your spirit. I found a guy online who jumped. Look at this picture. Can you see yourself soaring through the air? Jump, say that with me, jump. Now, To watch Nehemiah's journey, I want to take you through three things that Nehemiah experiences in his own journey. You can find him on your outline and follow along on your outline. The first thing I'd like you to notice about Nehemiah and his journey toward jumping is that Nehemiah prayed as a first resort instead of a last resort. Nehemiah prayed as a first resort instead of a last resort. When he hears about the condition of the city of Jerusalem, the Bible says that he prays. Nehemiah writes, when I heard about this, about the people of Jerusalem, about the wall, I sat down and I cried. I was very sad. I fasted and I what? I what? Prayed to the God of heaven for several days. The first thing he does is he prays. He's going to do more than that. But before he does anything else, he prays. Prayer is his first resort, not his last resort. Well, I've done everything else. I might as well pray. Well, I think we all, just being real, I think we all have used prayer as a last resort at some point in our journey. I heard about this guy. He was not a person of faith. He was an atheist. And he's out in the woods, and he's taking a walk. And while he's walking through the woods, a bear jumps out. And the bear is, you know, it's growling, and the man is terrified and turns around, starts to run. The bear is gaining on him, and the man falls down. The bear's hovering over him. The man knows he's in big trouble, and so he cries out, God, help me! And everything freezes. And he hears a voice from heaven. And the voice from heaven says, even though you don't believe I exist, I'm a God of mercy, and I will help you. And the atheist says, I am so glad to hear that. Now, I don't want to become a religious person, but would you make this bear a religious bear? And all of a sudden, the bear drops to his knees, puts his paws together, And praise this prayer. God, thank you for the meal I'm about to receive. (laughs) Being real, we've all used prayer as a last resort. 
but what if we took our cue from Nehemiah and instead of using prayer as a last resort, we made it our first resort in 2018. That when I wake up in the morning, before I get out of bed, as soon as I open my eyes, I say, thank you, God, for another day. And God, wake me up before I die. I want to live this day wide awake. Or what if I was to pray on the way to an interview? Or if I was to pray before I put that offer on a home? Or if I was to pray before I have a sit-down with my child? Or if I was to pray before I brainstormed at work about a problem? Instead of making prayer my last resort, what if this year I leaned into prayer as my first resort? I love this little guy up here. Life is short, so pray hard. Pray hard. Because when you lean into prayer, look at Nehemiah's prayer. Part of the prayer reads this way. Lord, please listen to my prayer. Help me today as I ask the king for help. Make him pleased with me so that he will be kind and give me what I ask for. What is he praying? He's praying for favor with his boss, the king. Now, his boss was not a person of faith. But Nehemiah believes that whether you're a person of faith or whether you're not a person of faith, God can still move your heart. That God is the God over all of the earth and that the heart of the king, the Bible says, is in the hand of the Lord. Proverbs 21 verse 11 or verse 1 reads, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. And so Nehemiah believes that even though his boss is not a person of faith, that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And so he prays for favor with his king. Favor. Say that with me. Favor. But the prayer. Talk about a crazy prayer. Because he's asking for favor for the king to rebuild the wall And the king is the one who had, a few months before, he had said, I don't want this wall rebuilt. I don't want these gates repaired. He had stopped the wall from being rebuilt. He had stopped the wall from being repaired. Because he didn't want another city getting restored and then deciding to rise up against him and his empire. He didn't need that kind of headache. And so just a few months before, he had said, that city, it needs to stay broken down and just leave it like that. And Nehemiah is going to pray that the king is going to change his mind? Are you kidding me? What are the odds of that happening? But Nehemiah believes that the God he serves is the God over all the earth. Amen? And that nothing is impossible with God. Amen. Nothing's impossible with God. Let's give God praise. Hallelujah. What a prayer. Prayer is his first resort versus his last resort. And what if we leaned into prayer as our first resort this year? What if we prayed for favor? Friend, 
really lock in on this. One of the keys to you experience the favor you need in this new year is prayer. To pray for favor. The favor you need at work, at home, at school, in your life to be what God's called you to be and to do what God's called you to do. Make prayer not your last resort. Make it your first resort and begin to pray for favor. One of a great spiritual leader from another generation, he put it this way. He said, we tend to use prayer as the last resort, but God wants it to be our first line of defense. We pray when there's nothing else we can do, but God wants us to pray before we do anything at all. What a great statement to make. Can we give God praise, amen, for the invitation to pray? Jump. Say that with me. Jump. I want that to get in your spirit. Say it one more time. Jump. Well, are you ready to take a leap of faith into 2018 to experience the favor that God has for you, to jump into that favor? Now, here's the next thing we learn about Nehemiah, that Nehemiah was more about taking risks than he was taking care. More about taking risks than he was taking care. Have you noticed that there is no such thing as a risk-free life. There isn't. When you got out of bed this morning, do you know how risky that was? Over half a million people get hurt in our country getting out of bed in the course of a year. You took a big risk just getting out of bed and driving to the church and driving in our parking lot, that's a very risky thing to do. You took another risk. And then sitting in that chair. When I sat down in that chair after eating all that food during the holiday season, that was a big risk for me to take, that that chair would hold me. And then when I go out to eat after church today, and I eat the food in front of me, do you know how risky that is? You don't know who cooks your food. You don't know what they put in your food. You don't know what they did to your food after it was cooked. That's why you should always be nice to your waiter. Amen. <laughs> See, there's no such thing as a risk-free life. And yet we're always trying to reduce risk down to nothing. It's like it's our mission. That's why we'll have friends over. It's football playoff season. I have friends over. My buddies, we watch the game and... Wow, it's, it's a great thing. We'll have pizza and nachos and wings and Diet Cokes to balance it all out. And it's just a, it's a great time. We'll watch the game, have a great game, and then I'll walk them to the door. We'll be high-fiving. And the last thing I say to them as I close the door is, take care. Take care. Say that with me. Take care. Because sometimes it seems like that's our mission, to take care. And to play it safe. And yet to do what God's called us to do. And be what God's called us to be. Sometimes we have to do more than take care. We have to take risks. Take risks. Say that with me. Take risks. Now we see this in the story of Nehemiah. Track with me on this. Because at first it's hard for me to get my arms around. What's the big deal about what? Nehemiah's doing, and yet if I put myself back into that culture, talk about risk. 
and jumping out of the airplane. The Bible reads in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1, some wine was brought to the king. I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had never before been sad when I was with him, but now I was sad. So the king asked me, are you sick? Why do you look what? Sad. I think your heart is full of what? Sadness. Wow, stop right there. Talk about a risk. Because if you work for the king, you never showed up sad. It was not a part of your job description. The king had the weight of the empire on his shoulders, and he didn't want anyone moping around the palace. And that's why you may feel sad, but you never showed it on your face. When you were in the king's presence, you never, ever showed sadness. If you showed sadness, you could lose your job. You could lose your life. Whoa, this is a risk to show your sadness. And then we read, it continues, then I was very afraid. He should be afraid, being sad before the king. But even though I was afraid, I said to the king, may the king live forever. I am sad because the city where my ancestors are buried, it lies in ruins. And the gates of that city have been destroyed by fire. Then the king said to me, what do you want me to do? Oh, oh, here we go again. He's getting ready to roll the dice. Because if you make a request and the king doesn't like it, you could lose your job, you could lose your life, and I'm about to ask his king to go back on his decree and change his mind about the walls of that city. Oh, my. And that's why this all makes sense as you read the passage. It continues, before I answered, I prayed to the God of heaven. Have you ever done that? You're engaged in a conversation, and you say a prayer. It's not an out loud prayer. It's a prayer under your breath. Oh, God, help me. God, help me. Say that with me. God, oh, say it like you say it under your breath. God, help me. God, help me to get this right. Help these words to come out right. This is my moment. God, help me not to throw up. Help me. He utters this prayer under his breath, and then he continues if it would please the king, and if I have been good to you, please send me to Jerusalem, the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried. I want to go there and rebuild that city. There it is. He jumps out of a perfectly good airplane, takes a risky step of faith. What if this month, jumping into the favor of God. What if this month, instead of telling our friends, as you're saying goodbye to them, instead of telling them, take care, what if the last thing we said to them was, take risks. <laughs> Have a great day. Take risks. Take risks. Say that with me. Take risks. Say it again. Take risks. Look at the person next to you and tell them, go ahead. Take risks, take risks. Because to do what God's called me to do and be what God's called me to be, sometimes it means more than taking care. It means taking risks. There's an old Chinese proverb that goes like this. Pearls don't lie on the seashore. If you want one, you must die for it. 
have to take risks. One of the reasons my dad is my hero is because he always has been willing to take risks. I'm going to tell you a story that he, he wouldn't tell this in public, but since he's not here right now, I'm going to tell it. <laughs> Dad, I know you're watching online right now, so please forgive me. I'm going to tell this story anyway. Before my dad came to San Jose, he started a church in the Midwest. This was during the 50s. He started a church in the Midwest, and it was a multi-ethnic church. Now, when you, to have a multi-ethnic church in this particular city, it was a risky thing to do. This is in the 50s. And in this neighborhood, it was a very risky thing to do. Because right across the street from the church that met in an old theater, there was a bar. And the owner of the bar didn't like the idea that dad was picking up in his car people of color and bringing them from the projects into the neighborhood to the church. They didn't like that. And so they called my dad nasty names. They even sent this big guy, I mean a big guy, over to see my dad and to threaten my dad threatened harm to my dad if he didn't stop doing this, that they were going to come and take him out. And my dad said, well, you know where to find me. I think even back then, my dad had a little raider in him. Amen. (laughs) Because my dad believed that every person was loved by God that every person was made in the image of God and the church should reflect that fact and celebrate that fact every weekend. Can we give God praise? Way to go, Dad. And wow, that multi-ethnic church, it grew and expanded and it broke down walls of division in that city and segregation in that city how God used that multi-ethnic church. I wonder if we are who we are today because of what that step of faith my dad took back then. And then when my dad was leaving Kansas City and coming to San Jose, the owner of that bar, the owner of that bar came over, this tough guy who may have been a wise guy, this tough guy comes over, he hugs my dad and he starts to cry. And he tells my dad how much he appreciates him and how much he respects him and what he's done. And he even gives an offering to the church. The owner of the bar gave an offering to the church to help advance the purpose of God. Can we give God praise? You never know what will happen when you jump. Maybe God brought you here this weekend. God's nudging your heart and I'm nudging your back to take that risky step of faith into the favor of God in 2018. Jump. Say that with me. Jump. That brings us to the last point. The last point is this. That Nehemiah has fear, but his fear does not have him. Nehemiah has fear, but fear does not have him. I found this picture 
And, well, I think this says it all. If fear had a face, this would be it. I wonder if this is what Nehemiah looked like. Get a picture of that. Ah! Because when you read these words, don't read them too fast. When you read these words about Nehemiah, it says, then I was very afraid, very afraid. Say that with me, very afraid. But even though I was afraid, even though, say that with me, even though I was afraid, I said to the king. See, he had fear, but fear did not have him. And he rose above his fear to take that risky step of faith. He felt the fear, but he did it anyway. There's a great book. If you've never read it, I recommend it. It's a secular book, but there are great principles within the book. It's called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And the author says that any time you do something that is outside your comfort zone. In fact, I'm going to use some new technology up here. New technology is outside my comfort zone to help illustrate this just a bit. Here we go. Here we go. So anytime, well, let me draw a picture of me. There we go. There we go. I need some arms. Here we go. Need some hair. There we go. All right. How are we doing? Oh, come on. Give me some love. I'm giving it my best. Here we go. So this is me. And, well, I have a comfort zone. And the comfort zone is anything inside this circle. That's what I'm comfortable doing. You know, you could say that's my sweet spot. That's, I'm, I mean, this stuff is just comfortable for me. Anything inside that comfort zone. But every once in a while, God does this. And he puts something outside my comfort zone. Something he's called me to be or something that's called me to do. And any time it stretches me beyond my comfort zone, I'm going to feel fear. You never get past fear. You never get beyond fear. Anytime you find something beyond your comfort zone, you're going to feel some fear. The question is not whether you have fear. The question is whether your fear has you. But by the help of God, if you can rise above your fear, and feel the fear and do it anyway. The Bible says God met me more than halfway and he freed me from my anxious fears. That is what God wants to do. I believe with all my heart there's someone this weekend that fear has you and it's keeping you from taking that step of faith into the favor that God has for you but if you can push past that fear and take a step of faith. I know on my own personal journey, why there have been so many times, I know what it is, I'm a firstborn child. I'm not a natural risk taker. And there have been times God put an X out here outside my comfort zone. And to just be honest, just be real. Hey, there have been times I played it safe. I played it too safe. I wasn't willing to get outside my comfort zone. But there were other times 
Wait, God gave me the nudge. I rose above my fear. I felt the fear did it anyway. And when I jumped out of that perfectly good airplane, friend, there's nothing like soaring into the favor of God and experiencing the favor of God 120 miles an hour. The wind in your face. There's just nothing like it. And what God's done for me, God can do for you. If you give God something to work with, when it comes to fear, someone says fear has two meanings. It can mean forget everything and run or face everything and rise. And today, let's make the choice to face everything and rise into the favor of God. Let's give God praise. Hallelujah. I found this guy online. I wish I could do things like him. I can't. But as you watch him do his thing, let God speak to your heart and inspire you. But this is the year to jump. It is not death most people are afraid of. It is getting to the end of life only to realize that you never truly lived. There was a study done, a hospital study, on 100 elderly people facing death close to their last breath. They were asked to reflect about their life's biggest regret. Nearly all of them said they regretted not the things they did, but the things they didn't do, the risks they never took, the dreams they didn't pursue. I ask you, will your last words be If only I hit, hey, you, wake up. Why do you exist? Life is not meant to simply work, wait for the weekend and pay rent. No, no, I don't know much, but I know this. Every person on this earth has a gift, but I can no longer pretend. Martin Luther King, that man never had a dream. That dream had him. See, people don't choose dreams. Dreams choose them. So the question I'm getting to is, do you have the courage to grab the dream that picked you, that befits you and grips you? Or will you let it get away and slip through? You know, I learned a fact about airplanes the other day. Now, this was, this was so surprising, see? I was talking to a pilot, and he told me that many of his passengers think planes are dangerous to fly in. But he said, actually, it is a lot more dangerous for a plane to stay on the ground. (laughs) I said, what? Like, how does that sound? Well, he said, he said, because on the ground, the plane starts to rust, malfunction and wear much faster than it ever would if it was in the air. As I walked away, I thought, yeah, makes total sense because planes were built to live in the skies and every person was built to live out the dream they have inside. So it is perhaps the saddest loss to live a life on the ground without ever taking off. Oh, what a powerful, powerful presentation. 
Everybody lock in with me. If, if you'd stand, I'd love to pray with you for just a moment. Making prayer our first resort. I'm going to invite you to say this prayer after me. Make it your declaration, your prayer. Those here on campus, those online, other campuses around the base, say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for 2018. This is the year the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I pray for your favor in 2018. I need your blessing. I need your favor. God, grant me favor. God, grant me success in all that I do for your kingdom and for your glory. I pray that you would give me courage to rise above my fear and to take a step of faith. Thank you, God. Today is my day. This year is my year for your kingdom and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Can we give God praise? Hallelujah. Amen. Well, just, just a couple of quick things, then I'll dismiss you. Now, first of all, I, I'm sorry. I almost got this message, but I need you to help me out. Would you help me out? Because I want to live this way, and I'm firstborn, so I need a little extra help. So on the count of three, would you just whisper to me, take risks, okay? Count of three. Everybody whisper, help me out. One, two, three. Boy, I'm almost there. If you'll just give me one more word of encouragement, how about a little bit louder this time? On the count of three, everybody help me out. One, two, three. Man, I'm almost there. I'm right there. But man, that firstborn thing keeps pulling me back. And so if you can help me one more time with all your heart, I need your help. Pastor needs his, your help. So if you can help me one more time, count of three, everybody. One, two, three. I think I got it. Amen. And I hope you got it too.